We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. A matinee edition of KFTV, Knicks Weekly, episode 86, presented by Underdog Fantasy. On today's episode, the orange and blue go three and one on the week. We're going to recap the good, the bad, and the ugly, plus the CAA Clutch Sports Rift. Could those fences have been mended? And what does that mean for the Knicks as they approach this Thursday's trade deadline? We're going to talk about that. With Nick's insider, Stefan Bondi of the New York Post. So salute to everybody in the chat, man. Hit that like button, hit the share button, and subscribe to the channel. CP the Franchise, Alex Rotaros in the building. Salute to everybody in the grind, man. If you are on the grind, on the lunch break, man, throw a hashtag grind in the chat. Happy to have everybody in here rocking with us on this 12 o'clock edition of the show. But let's get down to it, man. We got Steph here, Knicks insider. Almost 10 years on the beat, man. Almost 10 years on the beat, man. How, how does that feel? Crazy to hear. Us? Crazy to hear, man. You, you reminded <laughs> me of that before the show, and, man, I, it's still racking my <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, it, it's it's incredible. And, and uh, salute to you, man. You, you're covering uh, the, the best team, number one market for, for a number of years. You see, you've seen it all. You've seen all the highs. You've seen all the lows. But, but let's get into CAA and Clutch. Obviously, okay. we know that, you know, Leon Rose, uh, World Wide West, they've represented CAA for a long time, and, and they've come over to the Knicks. On the other side, you have Rich Paul, Clutch Sports, mostly operating out of L.A. with the Lakers, but, you know, several clients around the league. First, what, from your perspective, how did that rift even start between those two factions? Okay, so I, I don't want to, you know, I know I've heard different things. I don't want to... Yeah speculate too much uh because you know if i say something on your show it's widely viewed people just assume it's fact so i'm not gonna go crazy about what what happened and why we got how we got to the point of the rift i do know it what what was happening before they they pieced it up was had nothing to do with you know i know that uh rich paul was working with leon and ca when they both had lebron and people just assume this is some petty stuff from back then. That's mm-hmm. not what this is about. From my understanding, it was about more recent dealings. Now, I can't get into specifics about what happened and, and what caused the rift there. But if you just look at the facts, like you just look at his Rich Paul's recent clients with the Knicks. When Leon Rose took over, he had Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell Robinson left clutch soon after Leon took over. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had Jericho Sims. Jericho Sims left clutch 
He had Cam Reddish. Cam Reddish had a bad experience with the Knicks. Um, and, and, and this is Cam's own words saying, the reason why I thought I wasn't playing had nothing to do with basketball. It was politics. Mm. And then um, I'm missing one guy. Who, who am I New Orleans? Uh, New Orleans Noel. Mm-hmm. He dropped mm-hmm. clutch mm-hmm. after, you know, what? while he was with the Knicks. And then he actually sued Rich Paul. So yeah. Yeah. if you just look at that situation, maybe you could deduce something. But I'm not, you know, I don't, I don't want to get into specifics there. Yeah, I mean, when you see all this stuff going on, now you have the resolution of Clutch and now the Knicks being able to work together prior to the trade deadline gives, you know, fan base and ourselves just some uh, ideas that who knows, maybe uh, DeJounte Murray or Malcolm Brogdon could be on the way. Is that what you're taking from this entire situation? Yeah, I mean, I think it goes beyond. I think, yeah, first of all, yeah. I, I didn't. When people were saying, hey, bringing up the names DeJounte Murray, Malcolm Brogdon before the trade deadline, I was like, I don't, I don't see it happening unless they piece this up with clutch because um, I don't think, I don't think you'd want to trade for a player in that situation. So yeah, I think you could take that away from it, but I think it goes beyond this trade deadline. Listen, clutch is a huge agency. Clutch is going to draft players, you know, have players that are in the draft in the future. They're going to have free agents that you're going to want in the future. So I think it, it, it was important to kind of, Hash things out is the, the the phrase I was told and, and how things went down. And that now they're looking forward to doing good business together. And when you sit down and you like go through, write, when I'm sitting down writing the story, and when you hear from it, it, it sounds like a mafia sit down, like they broke bread. <laughs> so, um, you know, that part was funny to me, but I think it was also important to kind of get this out of the way because it doesn't make sense for a basketball team not to do business with one of the, you know, biggest agencies in the NBA. Yeah, that doesn't make sense at all. But I just wonder, like, say from a trade perspective, even from like a Brogdon scenario where let's say they go out and get him. He's got he's got the the team option left on his deal. You would think that they would look to trade that contract in the offseason to to get a bigger piece. So you you think I'm I'm just, you know, in in your words, that Uh that potential rift would have had an impact on Portland's GM sending Malcolm Brogdon to the Knicks. I'm, what I'm basically saying is, yeah. like, how I mean, powerful a, is, is that agent say. interference you, I know in what that? You're saying. Yeah. yeah, I know what you're saying. It's hard to say. Yeah. I, I viewed it as a potential. The way I wrote it is a potential obstacle. Yeah. That yeah. when you're going through all your different reasons why and why not to trade somebody, here's one of them. That, we, you know, we could trade for this guy, and all of a sudden it's we're dealing with a representation that doesn't want our player there, that doesn't want that player there. And that becomes an obstacle, and, and it becomes a situation that you don't – potentially don't want to deal with and the way I phrase it is you've removed that potential obstacle from from these situations I I report Rich Paul wasn't going to block any trade he wasn't going you know if a player wanted to go to the Knicks it was going to happen but he just he just had stated you don't really hear agents say this it was his preference that um, players that that he didn't want his players going to the Knicks and now you know when you sit down and you talk to him which Leon Rose did in New York City the other day, uh, you removed that potential obstacle. So that's why I thought it was important. And even with that potential obstacle, right, we got to think about the team that would be trading. So let's just use the Portland Trailblazers in this yeah. instance. You know, you can cause a rift with uh, Rich Paul and trying to get players over there if you trade him to an organization that had an issue with Clutch. So makes sense how you just – it opens up the trade avenues, as you already pointed out, Bondi. But – you know, there's another guy that's been in the news recently who's connected to Clutch, and that's LeBron James. And we had Brian Windhorst today say, you know, he's trying to use the Knicks as leverage and so forth. Could that be another reason for, like, Clutch purposes? And, th- like, hey, 
we get to use LeBron in this atmosphere to say, hey, we're going to position him for this offseason because he's going to have a player option. You know, you wrote an article saying how it would make sense for LeBron to join the Knicks for where they are right now in consideration mm-hmm. with how the Lakers are underperforming right now. So maybe is there is there like a, a uh, like an avenue for Rich Paul saying, hey, if we have good dealings with the Knicks, we're now a good team. They're another big market and compete with L.A. We can use this to help LeBron and potentially even make the Lakers better in the future. Now, it, I didn't hear. What did, what did Brian Windhorst say today? He, he basically just said, similar to what I, I said I said about it, like it, it was just a prop to to uh, to put pressure on Palenka to make a move at the deadline. Yeah. You know, the, yeah. the old That's New York so, hoopla and all that. I, I don't buy that, man. Yeah, so, I mean, I, when I wrote my story, story, that was the context of it. It was the context. Of, now, in, in my story, I wrote right at the top. Like, it's not going to happen. Like, you know, don't expect LeBron James to join the Knicks, especially before the trade deadline. But... I felt it interesting in the context of him coming to New York City uh, for what you never know. It might be the last time he plays in Madison Square Garden. Yeah. I mean, he could be injured next year. I know he plans on playing next season when his son joins the league. But you never know at this point. The guy's 39 years old. Yeah. And you, in the context of he's he's coming to the Garden for the first time in his very long career where he, the Knicks are in a better position to win a championship than the team that he's on currently. And if I were him, I'd be looking at different avenues to try to get out of the Lakers situation because it's not a good situation. And the Knicks are among the teams that I'd be looking at just because they're in a much better situation. I'd be looking at the Miami Heat as a possibility, rejoining them. Um, I'd try to get to the Phoenix Suns. I I listed those three teams. Um, Now, do I think it's going to happen? No. LeBron James has a lot of ties to L.A. He's got his family there. He's got his son playing USC. He's got the Spring Hill company. He's trying to make Hollywood moves. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to happen. I think his preference is to stay in L.A., and I think they're going to try to make it happen. But when I did interview him that morning before the game, it was clear angst, man. He was he's not he he didn't want to touch his emoji. He didn't want to touch the, his talking about his player uh, option for next season and his future in L.A. because, in my opinion, he's trying to put pressure on the organization to make a move. And, you know, make a move for somebody like DeJounte Murray, who's another clutch client. And I saw, I like you said, that's how I view what's happening right now with around him. But I just found it interesting for him coming back in Madison Square Garden that the Knicks are in a better position than the team that he's currently on. No, no question about it, man. And once again, we're talking to Stephen Bondi, Knicks insider who covers the team for the New York Post. We'll tell everybody in the chat once again, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. If you guys got questions for, for Steph, for us, call us up on the KFTV Discord. Um, so now on the DeJounte Murray front, you know, I've, I've been going back and forth on this because it's just not clear the Knicks' interest in him. Like I, yeah. I look at him as, as a player, uh, the three years on his deal, how that might cap them going forward. What, what, do, you, what do you um gather with, with DeJounte Murray and the Knicks' interest in him as we approach the deadline? I don't I don't think at this point it's likely. Now, I, I think the Knicks have shown interest in him. They've had different discussions about him, but I don't see it at this point as something that's going to happen before the trade deadline. Um, I think it, the move that they're going to make, if they make a move, is going to be something more in line with Bruce Brown with Alec Burks with Boyan Bogdanovich. Um, I think that that's where they that's where they are right now, simply because Dejounte Murray is going to cost them too much, and they're still looking. I know they're in a win now mode because they have a very good team, but they're still looking towards the future and still trying to 
keep their assets for that superstar that's going to become av- or supposed to become available at some point, whether that's in the summer or during next season. So I don't think at this point DeJounte Murray is the the likely option for the Knicks. Do you think DeJounte Murray is an offseason acquisition instead of Donovan Mitchell? Interesting, but I don't, you know, I don't see it. I know a lot of people, I like DeJounte Murray, but he he's not working out with Trey Young. Why do you think he's going to work out with uh, Jalen Brunson? He's not the greatest fit, um, and neither is Donovan Mitchell for that matter, but in my opinion, Donovan Mitchell is a better player. Um, again, you know, I, I've heard different things about, you know, Carl um, Anthony Towns. He's a player that be, might become available, um, not before the trade deadline, but uh, possibly after the season. So I don't I don't think they're going to use their assets to to get DeJounte Murray. I just don't see that move happening. Again, this this trade deadline, from what I've heard, it's going to be more of that role type player, uh, that, that the names that I mentioned earlier. And that's what they've always done, right? From Rose to Cam to Josh Hart, they always seem to try to just get a guy on a, on a bargain basement deal. Whether you want to argue, yeah. you know, trading the first for Hart was like that, but I just feel like it, it's along those lines. Like maybe it's a Brogdon. We'll see if Troy Reaver relents mm-hmm. a little bit on on his trade request. Um, I and, mean, and, they got yeah. to. Why? Why would you keep these dudes on Detroit? Yeah. Man, yeah. I, I don't get it. <laughs> it makes no sense. Makes yeah. no makes no sense, man. Um, who, who else do we have? Any sleepers? Any sleepers that that we're not really thinking about? Now, right I, now? Yeah. So the one guy, and it's a weird situation. It's not being brought up. This is just me talking. Um, Clint Capella in Atlanta, because the Knicks set Knicks center situation is a bit of a mess, right? You got Mitchell Robinson, and, I, and a good mess in a lot of ways. But mm. you got Mitchell Robinson, who you don't know how he's going to come back. You got Isaiah Hardenstein who has been playing tremendous, but then he's going to be a free agent in the summer and the Knicks only have his early bird rights. So they can't pay him more than 16, $17 million per mm. Now He might get more than that the way he's playing. Yeah. So yeah. you, so you're going to, you're going to, you're going to go into the summer and might have to lose him. Why not try to, I guess, consolidate your center. So you also have precious to chew and Jericho Sims. Why not try to consolidate this situation, get a guy like Clint Capella, who, to me, fits exactly with how Tom Thibodeau wants a center to play in the NBA. Um, and he has a – I know the Knicks, from what I've heard, they really want to acquire a player who has has money left on his deal after the season so that they can use that money to try to match salaries to get that superstar player. Clint Capella, to me, fits um, – all checks all checks a lot of the boxes that the Knicks are looking for. And he figured he he settles that center situation that I was talking about. So that's just me throwing it out there. I like that idea. The other thing is them not doing anything and then waiting until the buyout market to mm. see how that goes with Kyle Lowry and Gore. So there are different avenues they can go for you, sure. You, you said Gordon Hayward, right? Your, your audio kind of yeah. chipped out, but just making sure we heard you. Yeah, Gordon Hayward. Okay. Okay. Mm. Is there any clutch clients that you'd expect that could be uh... – on the low key right now, like you got Jeremy Grant out there, other names uh, like Zach Levine. That's another name that's yeah. been thrown around in connection to the Knicks. Do you see any? Well, he of just that had nature? surgery. I mean, Jordan Clarkson's a clutch client. Um, his name's been out there. He's a clutch client, right? Am I right? Yep. You got yeah. Yeah, Clarkson so, is a clutch client. Yep. Yep. So he's he's another guy I'd keep an eye on. Um, I I saw Joe Varden, who does an excellent job in Cleveland, actually say, and he said he's he's cool with Jordan Clarkson. Hit him saying that Jordan Clarkson wants to come to New York. So. Mm. To me, that was like, ah, that's kind of a big deal. Um, 
Now that doesn't mean they're going to get him. I right. think Jordan Clarkson costs a lot of money, going to cost a lot of assets and all that. But I thought that was interesting, and he's certainly somebody to keep an eye on. What do you What do you think uh, Portland wants for 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 Brockton here? Is it Grimes and 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 the money, or is it a pick? What, what do you think? We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. That's a good question. I don't know. I don't know what Cronin wants. Um, I will say this. I do know that the Knicks have been shopping Quentin Grimes pretty aggressively. Mm. Um, I've reported that he's, you know, his frustration in the role that he's in and some of it is understandable. Listen, he came in after, um, you know, last season on the, he was expecting this upward trajectory. He was in the rising stars challenge. He got selected to team USA select. He got a, he was getting a ton of minutes. He was scoring at a higher rate. And then he came in this season and it's just been down. And and he they, he thought that after the trade, the OG Ananobi trade, that that was going to pick up again. And it really hasn't. Um, and now he's injured. And so I think that there has been an idea that if the right deal comes along, the Knicks are definitely willing to give up Quentin Grimes. Um, what, how, how other teams value him, I'm not sure, though. I know that the Dallas Mavericks, I heard that the Dallas Mavericks were interested, but what they were willing to offer was getting rebuffed by the Knicks. Mm. And what's what's the right offer for Quentin Grimes from the Knicks perspective? Don't know. Um, I know that they still do value him. I, you know, Tibbs may have soured on him recently just because if you just look at the um, – the playing minutes, minutes. That he's, the playing time that he's getting, and he's certainly Dante DiVincenzo has earned that role. And and that's a lot. That's why I said uh, it's understandable Quentin Grimes' frustration, but some of it is also on him. The reason why Dante DiVincenzo is, um, is excelling in that role is because he doesn't care, man. Like he doesn't give a, uh, you yeah, know, he's got yeah. balls, man. Yeah, like he will yeah. shoot that ball, <laughs> well, he will shoot fly. that rock, no matter what. Yeah, um, yeah. And and that's what you need in that role. And he's also moving well without the ball. I think Quentin Grimes, when you see him, when you watch him play recently, he just doesn't have that confidence. Um, 
And I think that took away from, you know, what he was doing earlier in the season and and put him in the position that he's in now. He needs to regain that confidence. Now, whether that's with the Knicks or another team, I don't know. Yeah, that, that's certainly been a big, big factor with Grimes, even from last year, you know, from yeah. spots in the season to the playoffs, just very indecisive. indecisive. And I was hoping in, in year three he would start to kind of bring it all together, as as you expect a lot of younger players to do, right? They always say, you know, things start to slow down for these guys year three, mm-hmm. year four. I was hoping the same for Grimes. So uh, first let's see if he gets back healthy and then, uh, and then what the future will hold. H- how aggressive – do you think they will be here at the deadline to get the bench upgrade? You have some in the fan base who are saying, look, Stan Pat, McBride's mm-hmm. doing his thing, and, and the bench is fine. And then others, um, like myself, I, I think they need to make a move here. I, I really do. Yeah, think they I think they'll move. be pretty aggressive just because I told you the Quinn Grimes situation, but also Evan Fournier. Like, you know, I know they can hold on to him and use his team option um, in the summer, but I think they really want to move him and do the right thing by him. I mean, the dude's been a total professional. Like, he shows up every game. Um, I know he was dealing with a personal issue recently, and people were speculating, like, nah, you know, a trade's coming or he wants to leave the team. Nah, it was a legit uh, personal issue that he was dealing with. And so, you know, I think the Knicks want want to use his contract and and try to make a move somehow. Now, listen, they're not going to – they're going to get so desperate that they do just anything and waste yeah. waste their assets because, like I said, Evan Fournier can still be used in the summer. But I think they want to do something. I think they the um, the clock is certainly ticking with uh, Evan Fournier, and they they have to they have reasons to want to upgrade the bench and and try to find another shot creator and, and try to find somebody to help out Jalen Brunson in the bench because when you give up Emmanuel quickly and you give up R.J. Barrett, you're you're losing points, man. You're losing offense. So I think they still need to fill that hole. And with them trying to, is there a, well, you know, you talk about upgrading the bench, but there's also been speculation that they're willing to stand pat too. And and how much, how much is that? Like how much of a voice is that in the organization right now? Um, I mean, it's tough to, to say, you know, I can't give something like that a percentage. Um, but I think that they're, you know, they've always, I mean, as CP said, they've always been prudent. They've always tried to to do things without, you know, you know, overreacting or or making a wrong move just because there's pressure or, you know, the me the fan base is clamoring or the media is clamoring. Like they will hold they will hold Pat. They will hold they will stand pat if the right deal isn't available to them. So you know, I know that there's chemistry issues. The chemistry is positive right now. You don't want to screw that up. I, I know that Tibbs has been, a, been a, a big proponent of that. Now, whether or not he wants to make a change and get somebody else in the rotation, I don't know, or what, or how much of the voices, you know, which, which um, what the percentages of the voices saying, hey, do this and don't do this, I, I can't tell you that. Okay. And so I guess my last follow-up for that is, is it, more so that they're because you mentioned how the Knicks are prudent with how they go handling trade deadlines and they're not trying to be pressured by the fan base, the media, and so forth. But is there also just an internal belief that this bench unit is suffice as it is, or is it more so that they? I guess that's the real question. Are they weighing the fact that we're okay standing packed because we believe in the talent that we have, or is it more so that the cost to go get that upgrade is too expensive for our blood? <laughs> I think they want the upgrade because they have the assets to do it 
and I, as I mentioned, the Quentin Grimes situation, they would like to move him and, um, and they have to see better fits out there. But, you know, it really depends on how, you know, what teams are willing to want and, and willing to give back. It's hard to say whether or not they, they are, they feel like a move is necessary. Um, I don't, I don't know, but I, I do know that there are people in the organization who have said, we are trying to make a move. We want to bolster the bench. We need another playmaker. And there are others who told me that they need another big. Now that, that, yeah. that doesn't mean that, that, that was before Precious Achua started going off. Precious has been balling and um, they've been showing that they have a lot of confidence in, in him and how many minutes they've been playing. So I don't know if that, the philosophy with the big has changed, but I've had people in the organization say that they want another bench ro- ball handler and creator for sure. Yeah, you, you need another guy. And, and as much as the fan base, we love to – not to say hype up because these guys are playing well, but I think we, we love to, um, you know, overvalue some of these role players. And I just, yeah. I just think in the grand scheme of things, in big spots, you need a little bit more experience there as they head into the playoffs. And and look at it, man, with, with the Embiid news happening yesterday, Philly's coming back to the pack. You won game out of, of second with the Bucks. You don't know what's going on with Doc and those guys. Like, this could be a time where the Knicks could could get, you know, sneak into the Eastern Conference Finals if they try to shore things up a little bit and get healthy. Yeah, and I will say this about the Knicks fan base, man. You guys are crazy, like in a good way, because I'll be, I'll be in the garden. I'll be, yo, it's like a month's worth of content, but months worth of people feeding me ideas. Like, yo, we got to get Bruce Brown. I'm like, yeah. No, it's Bruce Brown, bro. Like, like guys are crazy. We're not talking about world changes here, yeah, but yeah. you know, it, it speaks to one, uh, the the passion of the fan base, that how much you guys, you know, are invested in everything this team does, yeah. and number two, the franchise being in a good spot, in where a good spot, you only need these like role players, these ancillary players that that that's who you're looking at, that's who you're going crazy about, that's who you're thinking can kind of change the trajectory of the team right now. I mean that that's an indication that they're in a in a great spot yeah. right now and it's true. Yeah. Um and by the way, and part of part of the idea of getting these this type of players to ease the burden on Jalen Brunson. Right. Um but I'm done underestimating Jalen Brunson. Like yeah. I'm not, I'm not gonna sit here and I've, I've said he can't do this, he can't do that. I'm done with that because he, he, he proves me wrong yeah. every time. Um, so when he said, when people saying, you know, he, he can't handle this kind of pressure, he can't play 40 plus minutes with the defenses focusing in on him. Eventually, you know, they're they're gonna figure this out, and and they're gonna be too focused on him. He's not gonna be able to do his thing. Maybe I think that, but I'm not going to say that anymore because he always proves me wrong. He's been – he saved this whole thing for Leon, for Tibbs. It, imagine where this wouldn't be if they didn't get Jalen yeah. Brunson. So save, save this whole thing, man. I mean, 30-plus points in nine out of the last 11 games, 20 times this year, 30-plus or more, top four in the league in scoring. And, you know, like you said, you can't count him out. I just worry, like, man, like, could we find a guy that could – you know, allow Brunson to come in with six minutes left in the fourth rather than just like that 10, nine-minute mark every time because, I mean, you're going to need those Patrick Ewing ice bags that's somewhere in the back of MSG. <laughs> it's in there, that big freezer with Patrick Ewing ice bag. You're going to need it for this guy if you don't get him some help, man. 
Yeah, no, nah, I, I agree with you, man. Um, but like I said, I'm not, I'm not gonna under, I'm not gonna say he can't do it. I can't yeah. do it anymore because then he just proves me wrong, makes me look like a goddamn idiot. So I'm done. <laughs> I'm done doubting this dude. I'm done saying he can't do this and can't do that. I'm done with it. Oh, by the way, as a fan, how do you? Because we're sitting there as, as writers watching this game. Yeah. And you know now they've been blowing teams out, and there's you know four minutes left, three minutes left, up by twenty. Tibbs got the starters in, keeps them in. As a fan, how do you feel about the way that he handles the garbage time situation? Does it give you as much angst as it gives me watching this thing down the stretch? Like, yo, yeah. he's got to take these dudes out. It, it always has. The only one I, I didn't necessarily have an issue with, I didn't have an issue with the, the Julius injury at that time because Spolster had the heat starters in until the final minute. And with a 16-point lead, I mean, we, we just saw lead, leads can get evaporated very fast. I didn't think the lead was insurmountable at that time. So I was all right with Julius being in there. But a lot of the Jalen minutes, yeah, definitely, man. When they're up big, you, you want to say pull, pull the trigger and get Malachi Flynn some, some minutes. <laughs> okay, he were yeah. asking for Malachi Flynn for some minutes now. <laughs> oh, my God, CP. Come on, man. <laughs> somebody, Good man. Get, get, get Archie Diakno some minutes, you know? Yeah. Somebody, man. But and yeah, by the way, uh, um, I don't know if Dante DiVincenzo watches your show, but I was just I was talking to him in the locker room, and I told him Muddy Waters by Redman is one of the best. We we, he, he was trying to tell me, um, I don't know, we were having a conversation about music, and I was telling him Muddy Waters by Redman is yeah. a must listen. So it's there you go, that, that's the album cover. Go for it. It, it is a, it is an absolute classic, man. No question about it. Al, Al, what were you saying? No, 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 no. I, I was just gonna say for like the minutes, I'm not like. Recently, after the OG trade, you don't want to see these guys play a lot of minutes just because it's such a top-heavy team now. Like, yeah. we're not eight, nine deep as we were once were. Now we're six guys deep. I mean, now you have McBride playing well, but he hasn't shown that he can consistently get downhill to be that seventh guy that could be like, all right, we can rely on him. Or even with Quint Grimes, like, going up and down in his production. But you would like to, I think, depending on the game, you'd like to see Tibbs give the bench a little bit more leeway instead of just seeing all right mcbride gets nine minutes we're cutting it short run to get back out there and and tibbs feels i mean this is true he feels validated by what the nba put out when they said that load management doesn't work um <laughs> yeah. our son now all of a sudden the nba is like yeah, well we want everybody to play now so our scientists are saying that it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't work, work. But, <laughs> yeah yeah but Tibbs was like, see, I told you. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, I've thought this the whole time. And now the scientists, the doctors are backing it up. So, you know, he fe he feels like, why should I limit guys' minutes when, you know, it doesn't necessarily translate to less injuries? And his whole thing now about load management is it's not about resting games. It's like, we don't do practice anymore. And that's true. Mm. They don't practice anymore. Yeah. Like, they've had they've had two days off between games. And they didn't practice either game before mm. this Memphis game coming up. I mean, so they they just took two days off. So that's kind of how it goes now in, in February and March and January. That's how he views load management. And just to hold on, one yeah. question about the practice situation. Is it that it's not organized scheduled practice and guys just decide to go and just get some shots up? Or like, how does that work? Yeah, so, I mean, guys do have the option of going in, and some of the guys do. and just But there's a difference between just shooting around and having a full-blown practice and they don't do full-blown practices during the season like you know like they used yeah. to and certainly when you get to this part of the season they really aren't doing it at all i mean maybe they'll have one or two practices in a month and this isn't just the knicks this is now like a nba trend is how mm -hmm. they handle they handle load management and practices and stuff like that 
And by the way, there's too many games in the season. That doesn't need to be. That's just my opinion. <laughs> but once again, we're talking to Stefan Bondi, Knicks insider for the New York Post. Salute to everybody in the chat once again. Hit that thumbs up button for you boys. Remember that this show is presented by Underdog Fantasy. Knicks fans, use our code KFTV for a first-time deposit match up to $100. Play the Underdog Fantasy Pick'em game and win have a chance to win up to 20 times your money they also have the daily fantasy option as well uh something that i've been beating alex uh every night since we started doing the doing the draft so we'll, we'll see what happens on, on tuesday night for our daily draft stay tuned and uh and see who comes out a winner you know what i, I just now that you said that you gotta give credit to the Knicks chick because she's whooped both of our butts. So give yeah, her she some has. Credit. She has. She has. She's definitely a fantasy uh, basketball shark. So uh, she she's been doing well in in her own right. Uh, on the injury front, you know, listen, OG Julius, we got to get those guys back. Let's start with Julius. Early reports are stating that the organization they're gonna reevaluate him in two to three weeks. How, what do you think about uh, where things stand with his injury? Well, I think that was positive news because there wasn't a clear understanding whether he was going to opt for uh, surgery during the season, which would have meant he wasn't playing until next season. Um, now, dislocated shoulders are tricky. Uh, my experience with covering people with, with this injury is that once you get them, and if you don't have surgery, you're highly susceptible to re-aggravating mm. and dislocating your shoulder again. Mm. Um, so right now, I think the process for him is I'm rehabbing with the idea that I'm going to come back this season. And we don't know when that is yet. Um, yeah, I don't think Julius knows when that is yet. Uh, but when he does come back, it's going to be worth monitoring. Like, you know, he's a physical dude. Like, right. that's how he plays. So if you're in there banging in the paint, is he go- is that shoulder going to get re-aggravated? Right. I don't know. It's something to monitor as, you know, when he when and if he does come back. I wonder, like, does that change his approach? I mean, this this last stretch where he's been killing, he's been attacking the basket, bully ball, driving to the hole, getting con- drawing contact, getting to the free throw line. That's why I, what I wonder, like, when he comes back, does that take his aggressiveness away, almost like how the ankle did uh, last uh, offseason, last playoffs? That's a good call, man. And bully ball is a perfect way to uh, to characterize it. That's how he plays. That's how he's been playing all year. It's been what has worked out for him and why we've, why well, I think he's an all-star again. Um, but when you have that shoulder, is he going to be worried about it to the point where he doesn't want to go bang down there with Bam Adebayo? He right. doesn't want to go bang down there with Giannis Antetokounmpo. So that's a good call. We don't know. Um, but it's not, it, it, just because Julius Randle comes back, that doesn't mean he's going to be Julius Randle that we saw before the injury. This is all true, but the good thing is that we have OG and Anobi, but that's another guy we got to talk about because the elbow uh, inflammation, what's what's your, what do you have, on, what's the insight they have on his injury? Well, he, I mean, it, you guys have been watching, even before he sat out games, he was wearing that Kinesio tape on that mm-hmm. shooting elbow. So this is clearly something that had been bothering him before, and we were in Charlotte um, the day he sat out, and that was legitimate. Like, they thought he was going to play. Mm. Um, it got to the point where he was just warming up and something happened. He didn't feel comfortable. And he said, I'm, you know, I can't go. And now I, at the time it was like, well, you know, if he was warming up with the intention to play, the injury can't be that bad. And he's going to be back very shortly. But now we're on, now we're on four games and it's becoming more of a concern. The thing about me with OG, obviously he was a great acquisition. Obviously he fits the team exactly how how they were constructed and how Tibbs wants to play. I mean, he's his Luel Dang, but 
if you look at his history, he doesn't play many games. He's not Julius Randle. He's not going to play 82 games in a season. Mm. When he gets injured, he's going to make sure that he's fully recovered um, before he steps back on the court. So in some ways, it doesn't surprise me that he's missed this many games. And in some ways, it's alarming because, like I said, in the very beginning, I thought it was just going to be one game because he was preparing to play that night. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, man. When I saw him at shoot-around in the Charlotte game, I'm like, all right, if, he's, if it's not this game, it's tomorrow night. And, and it, it wasn't the case. So certainly worth watching as the Knicks, um, you know, one more week before the All-Star break. So let's see how they get through it. As you look at last week, they go 3-1 and one on, on the campaign. Um, what, what were some of your key takeaways? Obviously, Brunson, the, the MVP type of week. But what, what are the takeaways that you have uh, about this, this past week? Yeah, I mean it was it was remar I it was remarkable to see what Jalen Brunson did because they were missing so many players and for him to put the team on the back that he the way that he did in those in that game um when he got hit in the eye, man. That was cra- that game was crazy. I had Mike Green come up to me uh before the Lakers game and he was like that that reminded me of Linsanity, just the environment. Mm. Um and I was like, "Yeah, you're right." Cuz that that was nuts. And and I think that was the high of the season, to be honest. And then yeah. you were kind of anticipating some type of letdown because it was like this is not this is not sustainable to have um, this many injuries and and for Jalen Brunson to carry again. I'm I'm doubting him again. And look, he proved me wrong a lot. But mm. it wasn't sustainable for him to carry the team the way he did. And then the Lakers yeah. thing happened where they just missed shots, man. Like yeah, yeah. Isaiah Hardenstein was missing layups under the rim. I'm like, what is going on? And he even said after the game, like, I couldn't, for some crazy reason, I couldn't catch the ball. Like, it just didn't make any sense. Mm. So the Knicks were able to kind of uh, sweep that under the rug a little bit. That's was their mindset of that game. It was like, we just wasn't weren't making shots. We played terribly. It wasn't necessarily what the Lakers were doing. It was, we were just played a bad game. So I think they're going to bounce back against Memphis because Memphis stinks. Um, yeah. And then we'll see what happens moving forward after that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at them going how they did. they they went three and one on the week, which CP I predicted right by the way. Yeah, you know, you you, you decided to be a pessimist this week. Yeah, I did. And say what one? one I said one, one and three. three. I said one and yeah, three. There you yep. go. Look at that one man. Just have a little faith in your yeah. team. Yeah. Have a little faith. Uh, I said what teams you three, had? Man. What teams you had them losing to? I thought the they were going to lose. I thought that. Well, well, first and foremost, I didn't realize that Halliburton was on an innings restriction. All right, let, let, let's be clear. <laughs> if Halliburton plays that game, they probably don't win that. They were down by fifteen points. How dare you once again? That was what you're doing. So let. Let's just keep it a bean here. I thought they could have lost a tough one to a scrappy jazz team, play Pacers with Hal Burton at full strength, and the Lakers, which they did lose to the Lakers. So I had them at one okay. and three. All right. Hal yeah, Hall- I mean, Burton was a wild card, man. You you doubting Jalen Brunson like me too, I guess. <laughs> he shows us, he proves Listen, us wrong man, every time. Man. When I see Precious and Chua taking corner threes, I'm like, yeah, this is not Dude, sustainable, good- man. That's a good point, man. Who thought President Chu would be playing 46 minutes? <laughs> right. Right. So, hey, th- there it is, man. Tibbs. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Tibbs all, right? Yeah. But, no, I think the biggest takeaway from this week is, like, how deep this team is uh, with, with, like, with talent. And the other thing is, like, you knew, Bondi, to your point, like, you knew a letdown game was coming, especially how they shot so poorly against the Pacers. Like, they couldn't do that again and then win another one. That's just too t- too difficult to do. Um, do you see this as a deep team as well, based on how they're able to continue on with Julius Randle going down without OG Ananobi? Um, I mean, deep, it, 
it's hard to say. I know I don't see them as a deep team, but I don't think it matters that much because in the playoffs, Tibbs is going to have an eight-man rotation. So you're gonna you need two things. You need health, which right now they don't have, and you need three bench players who Tibbs trusts. And um, if they trade Quentin Grimes, I'm wondering who that third guy is going to be. And I think that is the question that's going to be addressed at the trade deadline. And I'm be I'm be looking at Robert Randolph's Twitter page to find out who they're <laughs> Sergeant, Sergeant Sources. Sources, who's probably tapping in right now, ready to send a uh, a, a cryptic tweet out. Yeah, he, he's ready to take his shots, man. So shout out to Sergeant Sources. That that's our guy, our, our resident insider in his own right, you know, in his own mind. I would I should good say. Dude, President of the Julius Randall Hive. Yeah, President of the Julius Randall Hive. Yeah. Yeah, Alex, you think they're a deep team? I mean, how would you define that? Uh, I think they're deep enough where they can get through the regular season playing at the, the way that they are. Uh, I think if you were asking me for the playoffs, they're not a deep team just because, as you point out, you need eight reliable guys that you can go towards. And I think the one key thing that they don't have is a guy that can consistently get downhill uh, mm-hmm. for that second unit to relieve Brunson. But I think the way they're currently constructed, they have enough talent to do what they did to go on this nine-game winning streak with guys like Julius and OG missing. I wouldn't necessarily put a lot of stock in that this type of team going to seven game series, even in the first round. Uh, that would be I wouldn't go th- that far that 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 deep. Yeah, I will say this: Miles McBride has gotten a lot better. Yeah, and he's shooting the he you know he's shooting a lot better than I thought he'd be able to do in his career. And he's 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 taking that next step now. Whether that would translate in the postseason. I don't know, but he's somebody that that surprised me this season. And that suddenly that thirteen million dollar deal looks great. Yeah, that he just signed. It look, looks really good, man. How about the big ragu, man? Big ragu's been stepping <laughs> it up as a starting two guard since really being installed as a starter. But especially without uh, Jalen and without Julius and Ochi, like you said, he, he's just a decisive player. Makes smart plays. Rarely takes bad shots. Always making good decisions. Even when he attacks a basket, and I know that he's probably not going to make it, I still like that he's aggressive <laughs> in terms of forcing the issue. I like that. He's He's been my favorite player to watch, man. Um, just because you said that aggressiveness, like yeah. he does not care. And you say he doesn't take a bad shot. That's because that's partly because he can't. He never sees a bad shot. Like I've seen yeah. him jack a lot of stuff up well, well beyond the three-point line. And you have confidence that it's going to get in. He certainly has confidence that it's going to get in. I don't know if it still holds true, but I had did I had done a story on him recently where if you go back to the day of the trade, December 30th or some, I think that was the day of the trade, mm-hmm. up till whenever I did the stuff, maybe February 1st, nobody in the NBA, not one person, not Steph Curry, had taken or made more three-pointers than Dante DiVincenzo. And I and I don't think that's changed just because in the last game he took a ton also. So, I mean, if, if you look at that, um, that's exactly what they need and want from that role, and he's been great in it, man. And like I said, he's my been my favorite player to watch because of the way he cuts and the way he attacks the rim too. Um, I think he's been a perfect fit. And another, you know, give Leon Rose props. That's been another good signing. Another big one, man. You, you definitely have to uh, give him a lot of props because this one's looking like another bargain, one of the biggest bargains in the league. You got this guy on a mid-level exception, and he's playing like a, a quality two guard and giving them what they need from the position. So he's been the great. Step splash brother, brother CP, the step yeah. splash brother, the, the step, step splash, splash brother. brother. Okay. Yeah. Okay. You, you know, the uh, one thing though, I think is very interesting is the fans love hate relationship with Josh Hart <laughs> because 
again, when you think about cardiac Knicks, he's he's <laughs> right there with them because on his great days when he's getting out in transition and he's high octane, forcing the issue at the rim, putting pressure on the rim, he's great. You know, at times when he's out there knocking down his threes, solid. But a lot of times, if you get him stuck in that half court, it becomes a little bit dicey. And now without your other shot creators and playmakers and Julius and OG, it can be tough. And I think that's why the turnovers are going up a little bit. It's not as confident there. It's dicey, man. Dicey. Yeah, I I feel you, but that's who we like, I don't know what Knicks fans expected. Like, yeah. that's who he's been his whole career. And for him, like, to shoot the way that he shot right after the trade last season, I mean, that that, that wasn't sustainable. No. Like, that was crazy. I mean, he it's was really over like 50%, 50 or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, so, you know, I knew that was always going to come back down to earth. Um, he's playing a role that is – you know he he's not made for in a lot of in a lot of ways. You mentioned yeah. the half court offense. That's not his game. He's mm-hmm. a transition player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not that confident in his three point shot because it doesn't fall all the time. And teams are just gonna leave him open. They're gonna Wide let open. him take it. Yeah. And I understand the frustration, but uh, in every other area, that dude's been great. Uh, he's been filling a role that he, that the the Knicks acquired him to do. So. I understand yeah. the frustration, but also it's it. I don't know what to expect. Yeah. I don't know what you should be expecting. You know what I mean? Which is why think- in a game like the Lakers, or some fans are like, well, why didn't he put McBride? I mean, Hart is one of Tibbs' most trusted. With quickly gone, he's probably his most trusted reserve right now. Definitely. So that that's yeah. why you see him in crunch time, and and he's playing that role as like the biggest small guard that they have that can do a little bit of everything, including rebounding, which is key for them. CP, let's keep it a buck, man. Hart's been Tibbs' most trusted guy as soon as he stepped <laughs> on the court within a Knicks Bro, uniform. Bro, he closed right? every Tibbs, game. Tibbs probably advice this guy was for dinner on a nightly basis and calls him his son, right? From, from game one against Utah, man, he's closed every game, bro. Every game. Yeah, you know what's funny? I, I love interviewing Josh Hart, man, because he does not care. The other day, dude, he he's like, I'm playing too many. I'm I'm demanding a trade like right now, and everybody's like, "Man, we can't take this dude seriously." But he's like, I I you know I call him Kvetch because Kvetch because he just complained like he just wants to complain like yeah. like how we complain about our jobs like you know it sucks my commute sucks like that's how he talks about being a basketball player for the New York Knicks. I'm playing too many minutes. I want to trade. He says that stuff all the time. He's, he's hilarious. Do you think that there is a over-reliance on Josh Hart at times from Tom Thibodeau? Because there's like some rotations out there where it's like, okay, I'd like to see Dante in there just for some spacing. Cause you, you look, they, they can shrink the court when he's out there since he doesn't hit from three like that. Yeah. I mean, recently though, I mean, how many minutes is Dante playing? Isn't Dante playing a ton? No, I, he, I, I mean, up, he's up there now with all the injuries. Yeah. But I'm saying like pre, like even pre injury, like even before everyone went down, he was still averaging like, 19 minutes with OG here. And I'm like, I think it was against Minnesota. I was like, all right, you love Josh Hart out there for a little too long in the fourth quarter. We need some three point shooting. Cause they're all just like, like it was like OG Hart, Randall and I Hartenstein and, and uh, Brunson out there. I'm like, I think we need some three point shooting. And they're like, just trapping Brunson at this point. We need another guy who can control the rock. That's yeah. my thoughts on it. Yeah. I mean, that, that goes back to also the depth and the, um, you know, the the need for another offensive creator. But, I mean, tip with Tibbs, like, defense is non-negotiable. Um, size is important. Rebounding is important. He takes all that into consideration. Um, and Josh Hart is, as you said, that that's his guy, man. That's his guy, and he's going to roll with him. So, yeah, I'm watching the game thinking a lot of the same things you are. Um, but 
it's hard to argue with the results in the, especially recently in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Uh, not the Lakers game, but they've been since the OG and Anobi trade, they've been the best fourth quarter team in the NBA. Um, and that to me, that's the biggest indicator that you're a good team. Because mm-hmm. when you when when it becomes a time to actually win the game, and we all know we've been watching the NBA for a long time, sometimes the first three quarters don't matter at all. It's you know, it's how you close the game. And so when when teams actually start playing and when they they put in their best players and start playing the hardest they can and the Knicks are among the best teams in the NBA during that time period, to me that's a sign of a a good lineup and, and a good team right now. And Josh Hart has been a part of that closing lineup. Yeah, for for sure. Well, they they do a good job of, of getting boards on both ends. Um, they play defense, especially when OG's healthy. They seem to always force those turnovers and go in those runs in the fourth. And then you get it down to five minutes or less, you you give it a captain clutch and get out of the way, man. It's it's a there winning it's a winning formula. It's absolutely a winning formula. So uh, let's see how they fare this week, man. They got home against Memphis tomorrow on Tuesday. Dallas on Thursday, and then a rematch with Halliburton, OBC Ockham, and the Pacers at the Garden. Uh, Steph, your prediction for this week, man. What do you think, man? All right, but give me give me the games again. I'll tell you the score one by one. All right, home against Memphis. I got to give you scores or just a no? Just just what do you what do you think overall? Right, Is it gonna be a three and zero. Knicks week? win. Knicks win. Derrick Rose comes back, but Knicks win. Okay, uh, and then home again against the the Mavericks rematch. Luca Kyrie. Now this is a good game. This is gonna be a good game. Yeah, man. Battle yeah. of the MVP candidates, you know. Yeah, and 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 Knicks own one. Um, yeah. After losing in Dallas, that was a good game. I'm gonna say the Knicks win though. I'm gonna okay. say the Knicks win. Okay. Uh, and then Halliburton, Obi, and Siakam coming back for revenge to finish what they started. What do you think, man? Now, do we know if Halliburton's gonna be on his like you said innings limit I'm at not, that point? Yeah, uh, that yeah. Would, would that yeah. That won't be too clear. Um, right, let's, I, I, I'm going to assume he, he's not, and I'm going to say Indiana takes that one. Okay. So, so Stephen Bonnie's going 2-1, Al. Let's note that down. Al, where are you going with it, man? I am going – let's see. need to check one thing real quick. I'm going to go mm. – I'm Sorry, going 3-0, and o, CP. Wow. You're going 3-0, um, oh, man. Yeah, you want to know why? Yeah. Because it looks like Hal Burton's still on that end. Oh, <laughs> 20 fair, minutes man. against the Hornets. Oh, come on, man. He, he, wait, he, he played 20 minutes against the Hornets? When, last <laughs> yes. night? Yes. 20 minutes. Okay. All right. Uh, I'm going to go. Bonnie, you can, you can amend if you want to. I just yeah. uh, no, no. I'm going to stick yeah. with it because I, I, we don't know what's going to happen by the time they play the Knicks. So I'm just going to – I don't want to be – I don't want to yeah. be fake and take it back. So I'm, I'm still where I'm at, two and one. Now, right. now, my prediction is without a healthy OG Ananobi. I, for some reason, I just feel like they're just going to let this thing rock out to the, to the All-Star break. But, so if he doesn't play, I'm going 2-1. Uh, I'll give him a Memphis game. If Halliburton's on a restriction, I'll give him Pacers. But I think it's Luka Magic at the Garden on, on, uh, on Thursday night, man. I think it's a tough one uh, against the Mavs. I, I, think Luka, uh, I think Luka puts him away. So I'm going 2-1. If OG plays, Where's- I'm going 3-0. I never know if Kyrie's playing. Is he? Is he hurt? Or is he... <laughs> yeah, he's another one. He's he's another one whose status is never. Though he man. was the one, he was the one guy, man, where he killed OG. Yeah, yeah. So um, and so, uh, did Luca didn't even play that game? No, Luca didn't he play. Did it was Kyrie just Kyrie, it was the Kyrie led Mavs. He, he yeah, and they had OG on him, and he was he was crossing. He was it was giving them the business, man. Yeah, yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, Kyrie's just so quick, agile. The control of the rock is just insane. Yeah. Uh, that's just a tough cover off for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. 
Boy, boy, oh boy. This guy, uh, Hasib Mian in the chat says CP Dooming. I gave him 2-1, and one, over 500, and maybe 3-0. This, this is how my own fan base treats me on this show, man. They call me <laughs> CPA Smith now. You <laughs> just can't please these fans. They're crazy like you said, Steph. Man. Very yeah, crazy, man. man. So... Uh, there that is, man. But great show, great show, Al. Great show, Stefan. Uh, let the fans know if you if you have anything on the on the on the on the stove. Anything going on this week? Yeah, um, I'm writing actually today for Post Sports Plus, so you need to subscribe, and it's you can do it for free. It's a free trial, but yep. um, I'm writing a uh, a trade deadline primer of okay. everything that's coming up, everything that that's on the table, everything. So. Uh, Click and subscribe. There you go. There we go. And then you'll also be on the putback with Ian Begley. That is that's when is that? Wednesday? I think there's it's, been I think it's some confu- there's been some confusion about which day I'm coming on because yeah. the times have been switched, so okay. I don't know. But yes, okay. at some point this week I'll be on the putback. All right. There there we go, man. Well, we definitely appreciate the inside great show. And uh hopefully we can do this again soon, man. Yeah, man. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. That was Stefan Bondi, Knicks insider for the New York Postal. To everybody in the chat, once again, man, hit that thumbs up button for you boys. Another A1 KFTV production. Uh, just to give you guys a quick programming note after this, I got to shoot down to the WFAN studio. I'm going on with Evan and Tiki, man. Four to five on WFAN and SNY, man. I always got to set Evan Roberts straight whenever I get a chance. So he's can bringing you, can me into Tiki the studio. Straight too? Can you said Tiki straight oh, yeah. too? Oh, man, oh, yeah. This, uh, guy, this, guy, this guy's like downing Jalen Brunson. I must have yeah. Like, what is happening yeah. over here? No, I, I got some smoke for them, man. So so don't worry about that, man. So but four to five, tap in and, and call in. 877-337-6666. I'll be on with uh with, with Evan and Tiki. And then tomorrow, uh, I'll be on the putback with, with Ian Begley at three o'clock Eastern time. And we'll be talking trade deadline and the like with uh with Steve Popper of the of uh, of Newsday. So make sure you guys tap into that. And yeah, man, great show. Remember that this show is also available in audio podcast format. Uh, support our sponsors, Underdog Fantasy. Hit the link in the description for a $100 first-time deposit match. Great show, everybody. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Peace.